lost or found, the blind will see. Man, are you faith built? So awesome. Man, we are in week three of this series called Book of Prayers. All month long, we're talking about prayer. And hey, the Bible is a book of prayers. God moves through his people in prayer. And the Bible is a collection of stories. Really, most of the things that God did in the Bible, God is doing today, originates and starts in prayer. We're a people of prayer, and we um, found our life on the Bible, which really is a book of prayer. And in week one, we talked about, we asked the question, God, what are you doing in my life? As we started the new year, we prayerfully came to God and said, God, what are you doing in my life? What's your purpose in this season? Last week, we just wrapped our brain around the fact and reminded ourselves, built our faith on the fact that prayer actually works, right? James 5.16 says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man or woman, a righteous person, makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. We pray because we believe it actually works. We believe that God actually hears us when we pray, and he actually answers our prayers. And so today is day six in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we, every January, we have this season of 21 days of prayer and fasting because we believe that prayer actually works. And this January, we have a theme or a focus of a prayer list, a prayer list challenge. And so we've made a list of people that we're saying, hey, I want to pray. These people are on my heart. I want to pray for them every day for these next or for these 21 days of this prayer challenge. And our faith and our expectation is high. I have great high faith and expectation for how God's going to move through us as a house of prayer and how God's going to move through these people's lives that we are praying for. And man, you just heard um, David's testimony. So encouraging, right? So many of us have people on our list that are in similar situations. Maybe a friend or a family member that has told you, I'm atheist, I don't believe in God. Or maybe someone in your life that you care for deeply, but you know that they've been through a lot of pain. And you can imagine that it would be hard for them to trust God, believe in his goodness again. And honestly, I remember meeting David early on in the days of the church, and I didn't know all that was going on in his heart because he was a delight on the outside. He always is, right? And a lot of times people in our life They look great on the outside. Looks like life is all together on the outside, but really deep in their heart, there's darkness and there's pain. There's a distance from God that we don't know the full extent of. I want to encourage you this morning that as you're praying for these people on your heart and on your list, God is the God of the impossible. Maybe they've told you they don't believe in God. Maybe they've told you that they hate church. Maybe they've told you that they've seen so much pain and hurt and and ugliness in the world that they can't trust that there's a good God. But God is in the business of making dead things alive and bringing and finding lost things and and redeeming and restoring broken lives. We get to play a part of that as we pray. For the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking about praying for the lost, praying for people that are far from God. And last week we talked about how Jesus' main concern is for the lost. When Jesus came, his whole mission was to save and seek the lost. His number one priority, his mission for coming to earth was to save and seek those which are lost. We looked at that last week in Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man, Jesus, has come to seek 
and to save that which was lost. Jesus' whole mission statement, to seek, to look for, to be aware of, and to save those who are lost. And before we even go any further, I just want to talk about that phrase, the lost, right? Like, what does that mean? What is Jesus saying? He has come to seek and save the lost. Um, well, the Bible was originally, the New Testament was originally re- written in Greek. And if you look at that phrase, the lost, in Greek, oftentimes um, in this scripture, it's translated the lost. But in, in most translation, in, in most other places that it's used in scripture, it's translated perishing. So what Jesus was saying here is that he has come to seek and save those who are perishing. Other places, that same word that's translated lost, in this scripture, it's translated destroyed or being destroyed. So you could translate this scripture to say, Jesus has, came, has come to seek and to save those that are on the path of destruction or those on the path to be destroyed. That carries a lot more weight than seeking and saving the lost. Because I don't know about you, like, I have kids, they play hide and seek, and I lose my phone like 10 times a day. Like, losing things kind of seems light, right? Like, I just need to find my phone. I just need to play hide and seek with my kids. I just need to find something that's lost. It seems kind of lighthearted. But really, the true meaning of this scripture is that Jesus came to save and to seek those who are on the path of destruction, eternal destruction. He came to seek and save those who are about to perish eternally. That is the whole reason Jesus came. There's weight to what we're talking about with this series. It's going to get a little heavy, and then it's going to get light this morning. Is that okay if I give you a forewarning about that? Maybe it already has gotten heavy real quick. Um, I mean, this is, this is foundational truth that we believe, right? If we believe the Bible, then we believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father, right? We believe the Bible. We believe that there is an eternal destination of paradise and an eternal destination of torment and destruction. And so J- Jesus didn't just casually, like, leave paradise to come find some people that were playing hide-and-seek. Like, he left paradise, and he allowed his creation to brutally murder him, and he allowed himself to experience the torments of hell for three days because he was coming to seek and to save those who were on that path. Right? It is heavy because it is real. Like, if we allow ourselves to sit in the reality of what we believe. And so, man, we're a church that's passionate about reaching the lost. We're passionate about helping people know God personally and to live for him passionately. If this is Jesus' main mission, then it ought to be our main mission as well. And so at the end of the message, we're going to talk about Jesus' heart for the lost, and we're going to zoom in on a scripture that shows his heart and his action towards the lost. But first... I just want to wrap our brain around the lost, those who are far from God, those who are on the path of 
perishing, those who are on the path of being destroyed, because Jesus came to seek and save them. They are his main mission, his main concern. But there's a lot of other people who have their mind on the lost. Can we talk about that for a minute in Scripture? In Scripture, last week we, we talked about a Scripture I'm going to talk about, that God the Father is focused on the lost. Jesus' main concern in the lost, and the Father is concerned about the lost as well. Let's take a look at this Scripture in 2 Peter 3, 9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. God the Father is not slack. He's not lazy. As some count slackness. But he's long-suffering. He's extremely patient towards us. Why? Because he's not willing that any should perish. We see that word again. But that all should come to repentance. Why is God long-suffering? Why is he patient? What is his focus on? What is he waiting for? He's waiting for those who are on the path of perishing. He's not willing that they perish. So he's going to hold out for a while longer, right? God the Father has his focus on the lost. You see in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is focused on the lost. The Holy Spirit is focused on the lost. Acts 1, 8 says, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity that's on earth. God the Father, God the Son are in heaven. Jesus is on the right hand of the Father interceding for us like we talked about last week. But the Holy Spirit dwells within us and upon us, right? And the Holy Spirit's amazing. He helps us. He leads us. He guides us. He teaches us. There's so many. He's our helper, right? But we see here in this scripture that the primary reason that the Holy Spirit has come upon us is to give us power to what? To seek and save the lost, to be a witness. The Holy Spirit's interested in the lost. The Holy Spirit focuses the lost. The whole reason Jesus left for the Holy Spirit to be multiplied on believers is to complete Jesus' mission, to empower us to do what Jesus was doing, right? The Holy Spirit's main interest is the lost. His main reason he empowers us, he, he's amazing. He helps us in lots of ways, but the real reason he came is to rescue those who are on the path of perishing, Right? Who else is interested in the lost? Angels are focused on the lost. Angels are focused on the lost. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4 says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. We see that word again. Those whose minds, the God of this age, Satan, I'm sorry, I went to the wrong scripture. Let's go back. Now you know what my next point is. Luke 15.10. Go to Luke 15.10. Likewise, I say to you that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Angels are focused on the lost. Angels celebrate when one person, we have a phrase around here that we see the one. We see the one. Last week, we saw that image of that one chair in the sanctuary of our new church building. We, we see the one. We see the one who walks through our doors, who's coming to church for the first time, and doesn't know what all this is about. We see the one who's looking for community. We see the one. The angels do too. They, they throw a party. They celebrate over one lost person who is saved. You guys know where I'm going on my next one. So the kingdom of light, kingdom of God, obviously is very focused on the lost. But so is the kingdom of darkness. 
And so Satan is also focused on the lost. Satan is focused on the lost. Looks like we lost our screen for a minute, but I'll go to the next scripture. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4 says this, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, those whose mind the God of this age, Satan, has blinded, who do not believe, lest, why is Satan blinding the eyes of people? Lest, so that the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. I don't think the enemy wants you to see that scripture, but it's a really important scripture. Write it down in your notes and go back to it. There it is. Can we read it again now that you guys can see it? 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, what do you mean our gospel veiled? It's veiled to those who are perishing, those whose Jesus' mission is to save and seek, seek and save. Whose minds, why is it veiled? Because the God of this age, Satan, has blinded, has put a veil over their eyes. Why? Who do not believe, lest so that they don't see the light of the gospel, lest they see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God and should shine on them. What a, if I was a swearing person, I'd swear right now. Like, (laughs) such a loser, right? These people on the path of destruction, these people on the path of perishing. We know from John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? The main way, one of the main ways that he steals, kills, and destroys is by blinding, putting a fog, putting a a veil over the eyes of those who don't believe. Why? So that they don't hear the gospel, lest they be saved. He's such a, you know. (laughs) Okay. That makes me mad. It makes me really mad. Um, So this next group, there's another group I want to talk about before we get back to Jesus's heart. Um, There's another group that moves me so much. We're talking about people whose focus is on the lost. I think you're going to, I think you're understanding that I'm going to get to the point that our heart should be on the lost, right? Let me talk to you about one other people group. And it's this, people who are in hell are focused on the lost. I'm going to read a long scripture for you. Luke 16, 19 through 28. It says, A poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment. That is what happens in hell. Eternal torment. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham. He saw heaven afar off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water, to cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. The number one concern for people in hell 